As you're being seated, go ahead and find your Bible, open it up. We're going to be in Acts chapter 12 today. We're in this series that we've been entitling In God's Presence, where we are talking about some of the great prayers of the Bible and various types of prayers that we may offer up to God. One of the things that I have noticed as we have added to our lives things like uh, instant messaging and social media with smartphones is that because of these communication ropes, a lot of times it seems like people walk through life with this zombie look on their face, almost uh, like we're exhausted all the time. And I ask myself the question, why is it that we're so tired? It's not like we're actually doing anything. You know, we're kind of just sitting there. So why is it that we always feel so tired? And I, I think one of the reasons is that our brain is often overstimulated that we just have so much information flowing into our minds that it almost short-circuits us. If you think about it, uh, we take in as much information through a Google search as uh, your parents might have taken in in all day at the library looking looking through books. And so I think one of the answers for the Christian community, for those of us who worship God, is to be intentional about re-engaging in prayer. To some degree, prayer may be the lost art of Christianity. We talk about it. We say to one another we're praying for for each other. But how often do we actually pray? The great writer C.S. Lewis has a great quote. He said, The moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists in shoving it all back, in listening to that other voice, taking the other point of view, and letting that other, larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. You remember the psalm? Psalm 46 and verse 10, where the scriptures tell us to be still. Do you know how it ends? And know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Jesus once said these words, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Anybody ever feel weary and burdened? (laughs) Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are, are weary and burdened, and I will put you to work. That's not what he said. He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I think it's talking about spiritual rest. I will calm your soul All of you take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A lack of prayer will always lead to a lack of joy. Let me rewind the DVR on that one. A lack of prayer will always lead to a lack of joy. So question for you. Do you pray? Do you pray? And a follow-up question, when do you pray? Well, practically speaking, most of us turn to prayer when we find life circumstances that are just larger than ourselves. When we face face these larger-than-me issues, then we turn to prayer, and frequently with those issues, we also turn to our fellow Christians, and we ask people to pray with us. We talk about prayer requests. Every night, one of our routines around my house is that I'll go into my daughter's room 
and uh, I will pray with them before they go to sleep. Well, they've learned that before we pray, they always say, prayer request, prayer request. Now, to an extent, it's a delay tactic, okay? But, but beyond that, I don't want to discourage it, and if it is a delay tactic, tactic it's a pretty ingenious one at that I mean how can the preacher deny the prayer request you know I mean so I mean they, they've, they've got me all right I'm trapped I've got to okay so what are the prayer requests and I'm always amazed at the various things that they are praying for a lot of times there's some really heavy stuff that their classmates are going through many times we've prayed for you various things that you guys are going through my daughters and I have prayed for you before they go to sleep so what are your prayer requests today? What are some of our church prayer requests? Some of the practical things that we just need to lift up in prayer. This week I got to go see Bruce Reed. Bruce Reed's one of the heroes of our church. Taught life group. Whenever I came to this church, Bruce Reed was a life group teacher. He was uh, on the personnel team, on the finance team, and on the pastor search team. Okay. That guy, I mean, he did all sorts of stuff around here. He's been ill lately. Got to go see him and pray for him. Guys like Harvey Angel, who's now homebound. We need to remember them in prayer. Individuals like Ed Benton, who had a big surgery last week during this hour. He's a week out now, and he's recovering from that surgery. We need to pray for people who are going through health issues, pray people that are looking for jobs or going through life transitions. And I hear, the, I hear this a lot. Let's pray for our children, that they will make wise decisions. This week was an election week. Is it good to pray for your nation? Absolutely. We do a lot of talking about politics, but how often do we actually pray for those that are in leadership? Now, you may not realize this, but prayer requests in church have often been criticized. People say, well, we don't really need to spend so much time with prayer requests because those are not really the deep matter of prayers. And in prayer circles, prayer requests are sometimes criticized as much as Jason Garrett is criticized in living rooms. That was supposed to be funny, but I guess it just kind of, you know, sometimes you, it, it looks good on paper and then you deliver it and the crowd's just like, yeah. So I guess I shouldn't have mixed cowboys in prayer. But, you know, cowboys need prayer. So we're talking about practical matters of prayer here, aren't we? So I, I get this, that we want to go deep with prayer and we want to really uh, come into the presence of God. But I also realize just in practical life, we have things that we need other people to pray about. And I, I remember Jesus in Gethsemane, when he was deeply troubled, he asked three of his friends to go further in with him and then he asked his friends to pray for him, to watch and pray. And I know that every week as a pastor, someone will email me, someone will stop me, someone will say, hey Lash, can you pray with me about this situation? Will you just lift this up in prayer? And praying for each other is loving one another. When we pray for each other, that is a demonstration of our love for each other. And we are speaking the language of the soul. Prayer is a unifying quest for God's strength, His calm, God's perspective, His wisdom, His grace, His mercy, His love, His forgiveness, His hope, His joy, His peace, and God's power. And when the church prays, it reminds me, that I am not alone 
in this journey we call life. When the church comes together and prays, it reminds me that there are other people out there that believe in God, that have faith just as I do, and they are walking the journey with me, and together we are coming to the Lord and calling out to Him, asking for His answers and asking for His perspective and strength. Well, in Acts chapter 12, the early church had a major prayer request. Look with me there in your Bibles, Acts chapter 12, and we'll begin in verse 1. About that time, King Herod cruelly attacked some who belonged to the church, and he killed James, John's brother, with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter, too, during the days of unleavened bread. After, after the arrest, He put him in prison and assigned four squads of four soldiers each to guard him, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer was being made earnestly to God for him by the church. So let's pause here. I want you to realize that Christianity was never meant to be contained to one geographical region or one people group. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is meant to be good news for all people. In fact, I'm thankful for the other churches in our community. Not every church has the exact same uh, representation or display of our worship. And different churches around the community are well-equipped to reach different people groups within our community. But realize there has always been some in Christianity that feel threatened when the church reaches out. So what was the crime of the early church here? Well, the early church had committed the crime of taking the gospel to the Gentile people. They had taken the message of Jesus Christ beyond the gates of Jerusalem, beyond the Jewish community, and they had begun to reach out to the Gentile people, and people were being saved as they heard that God loves them and that Christ had died for them. So King Herod Agrippa arrests James, and he kills James. And then he discovers that his popularity went up in the polls. So the king begins to think, well, okay, well, I'm going to press this further. So he arrests Peter, who many people knew as one of the great leaders of the movement of Christianity. And he puts Peter in jail. And Peter, the fisherman, is such a threat that Herod Agrippa has 16 soldiers guarding him. (laughs) I mean, he is in the highest of security, and Peter is going to be taken out after the holiday and executed. For the church, this was a shut-down-the-whole-life-group prayer request, okay? This was one of those days, all right, put up the donuts and the coffee. We've got to pray. Peter's been arrested. So we pick up the story in verse 5 again. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer was being made earnestly to God for him by the church. And on the night before Herod was to bring him out for execution, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers while the sentries in the front of the door guarded the prison. Now, I want you to notice a couple things here. 
First of all, I want you to notice that the Scriptures say that the church was earnestly praying. The Greek word there is ekteno, ektenos, and what it means is to pray with intensity. It comes from the root from which we get our word to stretch out. So the imagery is that they were there at the house and they were stretched out in intense prayer, intervening for the Apostle Peter. Do you realize that the posture of prayer reveals much about our beliefs in the power of prayer? Powerful prayer will stretch itself out and cry out to God. Powerful prayer is intense. It is passionate. It seeks to shake the heavens and see the Father's will done on earth as it is in heaven. And the church was earnestly praying. Now, I realize this. A lot of people say, well, Lash, I I pray, and I pray when I'm driving down the street. And that's okay. I'm I'm not telling you not to pray whenever you drive down the street. And when you're driving down the street, it's probably not the best time for you to bow your head and stretch yourself out over the steering wheel and pray in a posture of prayer. Yet at the same time, I want to make sure that we don't neglect stop-down, intense prayer. Those moments where you just stop everything shut everything out, and you just talk to God. We need to do that as individuals. We need to do that as groups of believers. If you're able to get on your knees and pray before God, there's times where you just need to get on your knees. There's times where we just need to stretch out on the floor and pray. That appears to be what the church was doing here. Jesus in Gethsemane, if you get into the... uh, the depths of the language, it appears that he was stretched out in the garden praying. It is a posture of humility, lying before God, saying, Lord, I need you. I need your power. I need your help. And the church was earnestly praying on Peter's behalf. And then the second thing that I want you to notice is that Peter was sleeping. (laughs) Now, I I don't know about you, but if I'm going to be executed the next day, if I'm about to be put to the sword, and I'm chained to two soldiers, I don't know that I would be sleeping. I think I might be wide awake. Like, oh no, what's, what's about to happen? But Peter is sleeping. Now this is just a side note. You won't find this in any commentaries, but I think that the Apostle Peter could have benefited from a CPAP machine. <laughs> the guy was always sleeping at the most inconvenient of times. Here, here he is sleeping the night before his execution. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was sleeping when Jesus was praying. Uh, he, he also was sleeping when he has the vision at Cornelius' house. I mean, I'm not that kind of doctor, but I'm diagnosing the guy with sleep apnea, okay? So that's, that's free. Anyway, I, I also think, though, that, that Peter knew about the prayers of the early church, And he was comforted by the fact that people were praying for him. Have you ever had that experience? When you were going through an intense time and you knew people were praying for you? And you just felt a sense of comfort from that? 
I never will forget being in a hospital waiting room. My father is years ago now, was going through triple bypass surgery. I, I lived in Austin. I was in Dallas at the time or Fort Worth at the time. And I got a phone call from this guy named David Ray Wright who just told me that they were praying for us. And I remember the comfort of God coming on me, realizing that I was not alone, that other people were there praying for me. And I'm, I'm reminded of what Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Years after this event, he said, cast all your care on God because he cares about you. We can cast all of our anxiety, all of our cares upon God. And as we do so, we do so knowing that he cares about us. Let's pick up the story in verse 6. On the night before Herod was to bring him out for execution, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains while the sentries in the front of the door guarded the prison. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. Striking Peter on the side, he woke him up and said, Quick, get up. And then the chains fell off his wrist. Get dressed, the angel told him, and put on your sandals. And he did so. Wrap your cloak around you, he told him, and follow me. So he went out and followed, and he did not know that what took place to the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. So Peter's like half asleep. The angel wakes him up, and he's following the angel, and he's not sure if this is real or if he's still asleep. But then they pass the first and second guard post, and they come to the iron gate that leads into the city, and it opens by itself. And they went outside and passed one street, and immediately the angel left him. And then in verse 11, Peter came to himself. He realized, oh, this is real. (laughs) This is really happening. So he came to himself and he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp and that all the Jewish people and, and all that the Jewish people expected. And whenever he whenever he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. Now just a little side note here. There's this woman in verse twelve by the name of Mary. This is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is another Mary. Her son's name was John Mark. Mary had a spiritual gift called hospitality. Mary's spiritual gift was to open her home. And she had opened her home for days for people to come and pray. Subtly within the story of Mary is her son, John Mark. A young man, younger than the apostles, who was there whenever Jesus was in Gethsemane, watching from afar. He was there when the church was praying for Peter here. And this young man, John Mark, who had a mother who was willing to open up her home and expose him to godly people worshiping God, this young man grew up to be a man that wrote Scripture and was used by God in a dynamic way. Never underestimate the power of exposing your children to God's people genuinely worshiping the Lord. They download it. They take pictures. They remember it. And God uses it in their life in powerful ways. Now make sure you catch the scene here. Peter 
decides he's going to go to the prayer meeting. There were many people there, the Bible says. Horses parked out front, chariots, you know. I mean, it's, it's just a big scene as you arrive at the house. They had been praying there for days. The Scriptures say that they were intensely, earnestly praying. And they had one major prayer request. Lord, deliver Peter before it's too late. So in verse 13, Peter shows up at the prayer meeting. And the Bible says that he knocked at the door in the gateway. And a servant named Rhoda came to answer. And she recognized Peter's voice. And because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the gateway. So she comes down, hears Peter's voice, and then leaves Peter at the gate. And goes and runs back into the prayer meeting. Well, then it it gets better. She's standing there announcing to everybody, Hey, Peter's at the gateway. They're praying for Peter's deliverance. And when they hear this, they look at her and say, You're crazy. That's that's it. That's in the scripture right there. You're crazy. But she kept insisting. It's true. He's at the gateway. They said, Okay, well, maybe it's his angel. Now, all this is going on. And Peter keeps on knocking in verse 16. And so finally they come down, they open the door, and they saw him, and they were astounded. Warren Wearsby, the theologian, wrote, God could get Peter out of prison, but Peter couldn't get himself into a prayer meeting. (laughs) Sometimes the answer to your prayer is knocking on the door the whole time. But you just can't believe it. Believe it. Believe it, my friend. Believe that God loves you. That He hears you. And He will bring His deliverance to you. Now, He will bring it to you in His time and His own way. The doorknob of prayer is faith. Sometimes the answer to prayer is right on the other side of the door. But it requires faith to open the door and embrace God's answer. And sometimes God's answer looks a little differently than what we envisioned. Sometimes we think God's going to do this and God does this, but that's His answer. Do you have faith to open the door and to let His answer in? Some of your lives right now, you're dealing with some big things. You're praying about it. And God will answer that prayer. And when that answer comes, will you receive it? Why did God rescue Peter? Why did God rescue Peter and James died? Both of them were arrested by Herod. One gets rescued, one dies. Why did Peter get rescued? Well, I think God still had plans for Peter. Peter was supposed to be an instrumental part of the spreading of the gospel. Was James an instrumental part of that? Yeah. But God still had plans left for Peter to do here on earth. And so God performed a miracle in his life. Make sure you understand this. When God performs a miracle, when God does something that only God can do, you better pay attention. Because the miracle in itself is usually not the message. But the miracle usually points to something that God is doing. 
And when God starts doing things that are spectacular, you better open your eyes because it means that God is doing something significant and He wants you to be a part of it. In this case, He wanted Peter and He wanted the early church to continue moving outward with the gospel, to move beyond their comfort zones, to move beyond home, and to take the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth. And so this miracle became a confirmation point that they could always go back to and remember what God had done. But what are your prayer requests today? What are the prayer requests that you bring into this room? I want you to realize that you can always share your prayer request with your friends and your neighbors. You can always share your prayer request with me. I love praying for people. That starting point card in your seat, it's not just for guests. You can always use that starting point card as a prayer request card. If you can't catch me, then just write it down on the starting point card. Put it in the offering plate. I'd be glad to pray for you throughout the week. What are your prayer requests? The church will never experience the power of God until we learn to lovingly give each other the presence of prayer. And whenever we pray for one another, we are loving one another. When we pray for one another, we are agreeing with one another that we both believe in the power of God and we are coming together to speak the language of the soul to call out to Almighty God and ask for His intervention. So church, let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me please as we come to a time of commitment? I'm going to ask if if our deacons, those deacons that are in the service this morning, if you guys would just come and kneel here at the front, and perhaps kneel at the seat if you need to, but uh, I just want us to spend some time in prayer. Obviously, in the crowd like it is, we can't individually take prayer requests, but I am mindful that we bring into this room, beyond the greetings and the handshakes and the hugs, we bring into this room life stories. And I just want to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, we gather here today because we acknowledge that you are God and we come from our homes and our backgrounds and our, our lives and we come together in that acknowledgement that we are united in Jesus Christ. And we bow our heads before you because we realize that we are not God, but you are. And Father, as we enter into the gates of worship, we also bring with us the burdens of life. And there are some anxieties that are deep within our heart that we carry with us today. And in some cases, that causes us to be weary and heavy laden. But you say to us, you will give us rest. In some cases, Lord, we come into this room and we have been moving every minute of every day throughout this week. But you say to us, be still and know that I am God. So, Father, we embrace the stillness of this moment. And we call out to you, asking for your power, for your perspective. And Lord, we ask you for your answers. And we pray, Lord, that when you bring the answers to us, that we will have the faith to receive the answer. I pray specifically today for those people that are hurting. May you bring them comfort. I pray for the ill 
that you will bring them healing. I pray for the individual that feels lonely and isolated and all alone, that they will feel loved. I pray for the individual that is facing a major life decision. I pray that you might grant wisdom. And Lord, whenever we, whenever we encounter your will, may we see it clearly and seize it courageously so that we are moving beyond zones of comfort, moving beyond what we know to be a part of what it is that you desire to do in the future. Heavenly Father, I ask that you will help us not to get so busy with life that we are too busy to spend time with you. But Father, may you quiet our souls. Help us, Lord, to carve out time where we're just alone with you, abiding in your word, in your spirit, in your presence. Because we realize that without prayer, there is no joy. Fill us, Lord, with your presence and power today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.